It's a privilege of mine uh, this morning to introduce to you our, our speaker for this morning, uh, David Slintz. David has been in ministry for over 30 years. Uh, he ministered in, in a variety of places, uh, but really spent some serious amounts of time in California and in Texas, and um, has been a blessing in a number of churches over the years. Uh, and in both California and Texas, he and his wife founded uh, Christian schools in both of those areas uh, as they were ministering in churches there. And I remember a number of years ago meeting David for the first time. He was visiting, uh, he and his family were visiting his mother, Lillian Jackson, who has been an important part of our church for a good many years. Lillian was here when I came to the church 24 years ago. And um, I, I was impressed with the humility of David when I met him at that time. And uh, he and his family have returned to Dover. And uh, I, <clears throat> I recently, uh, we were talking, and he said, uh, that he really believed rather than the tragedies of the flooding and and the weather that created a problem for them in Texas, causing them to come back to Ohio, he said rather than, than that being the case, he said, I really believe that the Lord has led us back to Ohio. And I, and I really do believe that as I've spent time with David over the last few months, I, I really believe that that's true. And um, there is uh, a real anointing on his life. A number of you uh, will be very familiar with his teaching style from the adult Sunday school class because he has taught a number of times in our adult Sunday school class. And uh, I felt like it was time that he needed the opportunity to minister here in our service and, and for the greater church to uh, receive the, the blessing of, of David's gifting of teaching and ministering the Word of God. Um, he's married to his lovely wife, Marietta, and they have six beautiful children. They range all the, in, in ages all the way from uh, their oldest, who is their son and their only boy. The rest are all girls. And, and DJ, I, I know why God let you be first, so that you would not be spoiled by all those sisters. If you would have been younger, you might have been spoiled. But see, now you're a good man, and no, there's nothing spoiled about you. But anyway, David is, is 19 and goes all the way down to Lydia Grace, who is just a few months, a couple of months old. We was, she was dedicated here just not too long ago. And uh, we are so thankful for their family. David's four girls are right here in the second row. Lovely girls, Abigail, Elizabeth, Priscilla, and uh, Kezia. Aren't you surprised that I said that without even looking at a paper? I did pretty well there, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, there's Marietta right there. You just kind of hid behind your girls there, Marietta. Stand up so the people can see you, Marietta. God bless you. David uh, is going to be ministering to you here in just a few moments on the multidimensional love of God. And I heard this message in the first service, 
absolutely phenomenal. You'll be blessed. At the close of our service, we're going to have ushers at the door, and we want to receive a love offering to bless this family. And we thank God uh, that they are here, and, and we want to be a blessing to them. And we know that God has got plans for their lives because their heart and their life has been dedicated to full-time ministry. David, come. God bless you. Welcome. Welcome him, will you? It's a blessing to be here at the Four Square Church. It's been a blessing knowing Pastor Dave all these past months also. It's been a privilege, a beautiful church here. Give yourselves a hand today. <laughs> I also wanted to introduce a good friend of mine, Pastor Wayne Pratt and his wife, Shireen. You need to stand up and they can get to see you too. This <clears throat> he and I were, have been involved in ministry since we first began and, and uh, He's been a blessing. He's a musician, a singer, preacher, teacher. I enjoy his teachings. In fact, actually what I'm sharing is not my message, it's his. I copied it and plagiarized it a few <laughs> years ago. But uh, he's uh, just an awesome man. I've gotten a great friend. <laughs> I'd like to start with a verse. Maybe this is just a little bit too loud. I don't want to scare everybody. And what we want to talk about today is the multi-dimensional love of God. Um, when In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul speaks in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'd like to just read this scripture here if we can and put the next slide up for me. And it says this. Maybe you can read along with me. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you be enrooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And in the very next verse in, in Ephesians talks about how God is able to do exceeding abundantly uh, above all that we could ever ask or think. And I want to talk a little bit about God's love. Today's Valentine's Day, and I have, I have uh, a lot of Valentines. I, DJ, I can't call you a Valentine. You're just a son, but <laughs> we have uh, this. This is a Valentine's Day as a kind of a big celebration at our house, as you can understand. And I have my mother back there. I give a hand to my mom today. She put up with me. <laughs> Lots of Valentines for me here today. But we're talking about God's love. One thing I would like to point out is, uh, Pastor, thank you, uh, Pastor, uh, put these out. I don't know if you got a copy of these. And even in the, in the bulletin, there's an insert about marriage. And, and uh, the, some interesting statistics on the back of this paper of how much different marriage and family is for people that are involved in church involved in what God wants to do in their lives. How many believe that's true? You know, not just a tainted survey. This is actually true because we, a marriage can't really function without the revelation that God has given of his love, first of all. And uh, the Bible has so much for us to learn from. And uh, I'd like to go also in, if we could, to First John chapter 3. 
We'll have it on uh, slides also here. But in 1 John chapter 3, John makes this statement, and uh, you'll see it there in the sermon notes also in your outline. Paul sa- uh, John rather says this, um, Behold, can you all say behold with me? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now that word, word behold in the Greek, I don't know much about Greek, it's all Greek to me sometimes, but when you, you can get reference books and study a little bit about uh, some of the words, the, the original translation, and, and it's interesting sometimes to study a little deeper. Uh, those of you who have been here these past Sundays, you know that's been uh, Pastor Dave's message here, getting deeper into the Word. How many of you love this book? This is an awesome book. And getting deeper into the word. And, and this word, behold, uh, has an interesting significance to it. And John is telling us we need to behold the love. The first uh, definition written down for this word is the, to turn the eyes and your attention to something. Not just glance quickly, but actually turn your eyes, your mind, and your attention. A second definition for the same word, a much fuller meaning uh, in this original language, is to look intently at, to gaze at. Another uh, definition as well is to inspect or examine. Oh, I love to do that with God's word, just to get deeper and deeper into it. And this word's not going, it's not going to be a closed book when we get to heaven. This is going to be a book that's eternal. He said, my word shall never pass away. These are eternal words of life for us. And I thank God, eternity will be an awesome time of studying the word. And going on, the last one I like the best of all. It says to sit down and have an interview with. (laughs) So John is encouraging us to do that with God's love. And Paul gave us an awesome description of uh, of his love, the dimensions of God's love. Paul used some awesome words when he described the things of God. He called it the deep things of God. He called it the unsearchable riches of Christ. He used words because, see, Paul had an experience he just didn't, wasn't simply converted to another religion. He had an experience with the living God. And I don't know today if, if this is your first time in church or if it's a, uh, if you've not had a personal experience with Christ, but it makes the difference. Bible, Jesus said these words. He said, unless a man is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. In other words, it's, it's, it's kind of a vague thing. You can have some intellectual knowledge about what the Bible says. Before I gave my life to Christ, I had read the whole Bible through. I just had done that. I was raised, my, my mom and dad raised me in, in a Christian family, and I, I read the Bible. It was my thing to do, but it was only an intellectual thing until the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. The day I asked him to come inside to be my Lord and Savior. And that day my eyes were open and this book became a brand new book. Became a book of life. Today, if you haven't been born again, it's an awesome day. Valentine's Day. Give your heart to Jesus. Amen? Well, I'd like to go on one more scripture as well. Just this concept of beholding. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, Paul makes this statement. And this whole chapter 3 of 
the whole chapter 3 of uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul is literally comparing the Old Testament with the New Testament. And what he's explaining is that, well, the Old Testament, there was a glory in the law and the thing that God gave the Israelites. There was glory there. In fact, it was such an extent of glory, the experience that Moses had. It says when he came down from the mountain, which was actually his second 40 days up there where he was interceding for the Israelites. But when he came down that second time, Bible says his face was glowing. It was glowing so much that people couldn't even look at him. He had to put a veil over his face uh, before he went to speak with people. And there was a glory there and all of that. But what Paul is saying, what God has done for us is way beyond. He said that was a fading glory compared to what God is doing in our life. He wants to put a glow in us. Pastor shared last week about how uh, in Acts chapter uh, 4, I believe it is, where Peter and John were there standing and the people looked and they saw these were ignorant. They were unlearned men. They were fishermen. They didn't know a whole lot of stuff. But they noticed one thing. They had been with Jesus. Oh, it makes a difference whenever you've been with Jesus. Amen. Well, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, after talking about this glory, Paul goes on to explain this. He says this, But we all, with an open face, are beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. We are changed. Some translations say transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And one thing I want to point out is that the work that God does in our life. It's not a matter of us just simply intellectually understanding things and then trying to apply a 10-step pattern to our life. That's not the gospel. The gospel starts with what Christ is going to do in you and I. This work is by the Spirit. And it says as the, the Holy Spirit, as He opens our eyes, Listen to this now. As the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see the things of God through his word, the scripture tells us there's going to be a change or a metamorphosis that'll take place in our lives. This is not some kind of a 10-step change your way of life thing, something you can just learn. And, and, and you know, if you learn these principles, then you can live a better. Nothing to do with that. If you go to a bookstore, you'll find hundreds of books on self-help and how you can help yourself out, be happy. Po- you know, one of the things I was really into before I got saved, try, I tried it anyway, was this thing of positive thinking, you know, walk around and, and be positive, you know, and, and, and smile more often. And said, In fact, the book says that if you... If you if it promises that if you go in the mirror every morning and you look in that mirror at yourself and you smile as big as you can and you say, uh, every day and every way I'm getting better and better. It didn't work for me. I don't know if that stuff works for you. It might work temporarily, but it's not. It may change the outside. There's only one who can change the inside. Can you say amen to that? Only one can change the inside. This is the whole work of the gospel. Not just delivering us from hell, as we're going to see, but changing us as we behold him. Not a religion. Him. He changes us from glory to glory into that same image. This is what the whole new covenant is about. The old covenant, the laws that Moses brought down. The people said, just tell us what to do, Moses, we'll do it. But the new covenant is I will write my laws within their mind and within their heart. I will put my spirit, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, I will put my spirit within them and cause them to walk in my ways. 
God can change us. He's going to bring about metamorphosis in our lives. The poor tadpole and the poor caterpillar, they can't even stop the process, can they? It just happens because they were designed for that. And you and I, from the foundation of the world, even before, God has designed us for that. Can I hear an amen? I wanted to share a little song with you. It's, I was just going to read the words, but I thought if I could, that sometimes melody helps the words to come inside. And if you, if you can pardon my playing and, you know, I, I'm, is already out. It, I got permission from uh, Andy today to play, but I'd like you just to hear the words of this song and maybe sing along if you know it. It's an old hymn. It says, could we with ink the ocean fill? Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. Listen to this part. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean completely dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky oh love of God how rich how pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the same an angel song. Amen. You like that song? How awesome it is. The, the love of God, the measure, it's measureless. I understand that the first part of this song was actually found written, inscribed in the walls of an insane asylum years ago. Perhaps some poor... Christian locked up. People didn't understand what was going on in his life. But there, in that place, had a revelation of the love of God. I'd like to look at the first dimension of God's love this, uh, this morning, if we can. And that would be the, how wide is God's love? I don't know if we get that. Just a little graphic to show the dimensions. How wide, how long, how deep, and how high. I'd like to start off, first of all, talking about the, how wide God's love is and making this statement about it. God's love transcends all horizontal barriers. There is absolutely no barrier that God's love cannot cross through. His love is the same, absolutely the same for each and every one of us. Always has been, always will be forever. 
And one of the key words that you'll see in the Bible, small little three-letter word that describes this width dimension of God's love is the word all. Can you all say that with me? All. And that word tells us that that's, that's what God can do for us. His love is, is spread out towards all of us. God's love transcends all horizontal barriers. Another word I like to put up there real quick is the word whosoever. Can you say that with me? Whosoever. And whosoever, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. That includes every single person. Amen? Just real quickly, I want to go through this. I want to go on. But the next uh, slide, please. It talks, I want to show some different barriers First of all, uh, a social barrier. We see this uh, where Jesus actually sat down with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He wasn't afraid to sit down with his local IRS representative and uh, sat down right with him. He also, it also transcends racial barriers. We see how Jesus healed a woman who was a Gentile. Jesus came first to the Jews when he was here. Gentiles hadn't even been brought in yet, but he heals a Gentile's daughter. Another barrier was a national barrier. No problem there for Jesus. He heals a Roman centurion of all people, a Roman centurion servant. Also, he was not for popularity. His God's love goes through, passes all popularity situations and barriers. He was the friend of outcasts and sinners. And the last one, is pride barriers. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Imagine that. Imagine that love. In fact, even goes a bit further than that. He washed Judas's feet. Think about that. John 13 says he loved them to the end. If you knew someone, and Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. If you knew someone, maybe you have people like this on your job, you know they're out to get you. Does it show on your face when you see that person? The disciples couldn't tell. When Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, the disciples said, who, Lord? They couldn't even see a difference in the face of Jesus towards Judas. Imagine that kind of love. Let me go on to the next point here. And each one of these, of course, are just we're just kind of touching because there's so much more to teach, so much more in God's word that reveal these dimensions of God's love. I'd go to this next dimension and that's the length of God's love. And if I could have my daughter and son come here and help me out here, I'll, I have a check for them after the meeting. To, but it may be a little trickier with a microphone, but I'd like you to take that. And I'd like to explain to you about the length, okay? DJ, don't run. First service, uh, Chip ran, and he almost uh, knocked down two people in a row there. But uh, take that to the back of the church there. And I like to use this little line to represent something unique. See, God is eternal. He always was, and that arrow represents eternity past. He always and forever will be. That's eternity future. God inhabits eternity. Uh, One of the verses I like to put up there quickly, and what we're talking about is how God's love is everlasting love. His love is eternal. In other words, his love began even before you and I existed. And the first thing I like to to show you here is uh, this point in space. Imagine this is a timeline. And a little over 2,000 years ago, there was a man that stepped into our time, out of eternity, into our time, and that man was Jesus Christ. Even our calendars tell us he made a difference. Amen? 
and he stepped into time. But the Bible says, and if you can put the next verse up, God loves us with an everlasting love. And go to the next screen as well. Isaiah 57 tells us that God inhabits eternity. And just hold us up a little bit higher for a second here. And I want you to consider, this is the timeline. There's Jesus Christ. You and I, my little me button here, you and I have one little tiny spot on this line. Just one tiny little spot. And yet, sometimes it seems like that spot is, is, the, is such a big spot. This is a moving line here. I better give him a hand. Think for a minute. Sometimes we go through little situations. Doesn't it seem like it's lasting forever? You wonder, when is this ever going to be over? And yet, this is just a moment in time. God inhabits eternity. His love is everlasting. He knows our situation. He knows where you're at right now. He knows the past. He knows the end from the beginning. And he is planning and ordaining every step of our life because he can, because he is God. Can you say amen to that? He is God. He is the Lord of eternity from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. And this little tiny spot for us, if we can focus on the eternal things of God, Paul says our momentary light affliction is working in us an eternal weight of glory. Thank you. Can you, you guys can, thank you. Think about this, God's eternal love, how long his love. Let's go one step further today if we can. Another dimension I want to bring up, and this is a very important dimension. It's one that perhaps uh, isn't too popular today. But this dimension of God's love, we'll call it the depth, or how deep is God's love. And what I like to express in this point is God's love reaches the lowest hell. Isaiah, Psalm 86 verse 13 says, How great is thy mercy toward me, for thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. One of the things we often don't realize, because today we're all about you know, being nice and speaking positive things, and it's difficult. People don't want to hear a message on hell, but how many know there is a hell? It wasn't created for man. It was created for the devil and his angels, but there is a hell. The Bible's very clear about it. It's called the lake of fire in Revelations. It's very clear. It's not something that's old-fashioned. This book is not old-fashioned. But for us to really understand, I like to put up here a quote by Martin Luther. I heard Pastor Wayne share this just a few weeks ago. I said, that's a good thought for my message. Martin Luther said this in the 16th century. He was a reformer in the 16th century. He said this, a person must confront his own sinfulness in all its ravaging depths before he can enjoy the comforts of salvation. We can never understand or appreciate the power of God's love until we understand what he had to do to save us. Jesus, if you were me, if you were I, if we were the only ones on this earth, God would have still sent his son to die for us. And we, maybe you've heard that expression before, but oftentimes it's the idea of how much God loves me. It's true. But I want you to think of it like this today. If you, were I, you and I were the only ones here God would have had to send his son to die for us because it's the only way we could have ever gotten saved. 
It's the only way we could ever have been delivered out of hell. Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane was crying out to his Father, crying out, and he was saying these words, Father, take this cup away from me. All things are possible. And he said, Daddy, Abba, Daddy, Father, take this cup away. He was sweating drops of blood. An angel says in Luke, an angel came to minister and strengthen him. And yet, even with that, the father still didn't change his mind. Because the only way to save us was for Jesus to die. When you go to a doctor thinking you have a little cough, and the doctor comes back and gives you a long list of the prescription you need to go get to cure that cough, all of a sudden you realize the cough was worse than you thought. When we see the prescription that God has made for us, the cross, the only way we could be saved, we can begin to understand what a mess we are as human beings. We don't like to hear that, but we, if we don't hear it and if we don't see it clearly as it's written in God's word, it's difficult to understand how much he really does love us. Luke chapter 7, we won't turn there, but in Luke chapter 7, it talks about how Jesus went to have a meal at Simon the Pharisee's house. And this Pharisee was all excited about having Jesus come. I'm sure he prepared the best food there. I'm sure he didn't uh, order a takeout pizza for Jesus that day. (laughs) He got the best food all prepared for Jesus, and he's just watching Jesus eat and feeling real good about himself. And all of a sudden, in comes a sinner woman from the streets and begins weeping and crying at Jesus' feet. And Simon in his mind is thinking, and Jesus understood his thoughts, he's, but Simon was thinking, if Jesus knew what kind of a woman that was, he would never allow her in here or even touching him like this. Jesus knew his thoughts and said, Simon, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a little parable. There were two people that owed. They were debtors. They owed something. One owed this much. The other owed much, much more. The one they owed forgave both debts, the one who owed a little and the one who owed a lot. And he said, Simon, tell me something. Which of those two debtors would love that person more? Well, Simon knew the answer. He said, the one who was forgiven much. So Jesus said, I tell you, that's why this woman is like she is. She knows how much she's been forgiven. Now, at first glance, you would think what's really meant there is that Jesus is saying, well, Simon, you don't have as many sins as she does. That's not the message. The message is Simon didn't realize the sinner that he was. When we realize what's really going on inside of us, when we let God show us really what we are, all that self-justification and pride all goes away. God undoes us on the inside so he can put Christ there. Amen? How deep is God's love? Let's go to the next one real quick, and we'll finish with this thought for today. And this is another dimension that Paul refers to. It's the height of God's love. How high is God's love? And the point I'd like to make from this this revelation and dimension of God's love is that God's love can raise us up and transform us into overcomers And he will, and he wants, and he can sit us upon his throne for all of eternity. Revelation 3.21 says this. 
Jesus says, to him that overcomes, I will give him the right, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Jesus can change us. Some Christians or some people feel that just, you know, the way they are is okay. God has forgiven them. They have their fire insurance. Now they're not going to hell. But they don't realize God wants to do even more than that. He wants to change us. He wants a metamorphosis to take place in our lives. He wants to transform us into the image of his son. Romans 8:37 even says that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Do you believe that for your life today? His love, the, the, the width, the length of God's love. He loves you with an everlasting love. The depth of God's love. And how high that love is. The gospel is not just delivering us from hell. It's about changing us and making us like Christ. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, David. Father, we thank you today for what we've heard. We thank you, uh, Lord, even beyond what we've heard, we, we thank you for you. And, and as we think about this day, and it's a day that, that the world is caught up with a love. And yet, Lord, to really know what love is all about, we must know you. And we thank you today for the message that we've heard. And we ask your blessing upon David and his family and the plans that you have for them the plans that you have that, that are for a future of design that, that you have already established from the foundation of the world for their family. And we thank you today that, that as a church we can be a part of, of blessing them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.